All right, and welcome everyone back to another great edition of Maxon TV. I have the world-renowned Ahmed Munawar. Ahmed, he's the founder of 90 Day Pipeline. Ahmed, thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much. Excited to be here. Yeah, I, I'm really, really thrilled. I, I don't think you actually noticed, but I think I've seen a lot. I've seen so many of your YouTube ads and I absolutely love, I think they're the absolute funniest thing I've ever seen in, I've ever seen in my life. And for those of you who don't know, it's basically making fun of people who don't know how to prospect on LinkedIn. Hey, uh, hey, hey, buddy, 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 buddy. Hang on one second. You need a consultant? Consulting, anybody? Look, I'll tell you what, 20 grand. Nothing. Call it a day. I offer services, strategy. Excuse me? Consulting. You need a consultant? Hey, hey, buddy, buddy, what do you need? What do you need? I got it right here. Consulting, I don't need anything. strategic planning, leadership development. I'm good. Are you a CEO? I'm not. Are you Anyways, why don't you tell us a little bit about what is the 90 day uh, pipeline? Yeah, so the 90 day pipeline is essentially a marketing and business development boot camp, if you will, specifically geared towards B2B consultants and professional services providers. And that's kind of the world that I came from. I I spent some years consulting uh, at Ernst & Young. Uh, I joined a boutique firm after that and kind of came in as the, the, the business guy. I had some friends that started a consulting firm and they were all subject matter experts. And they were like, hey, how do we get more clients? And they said, well, you you work at a big firm and you wear have some fancy suits and you know you seem to talk nice. <laughs> so why don't you come in? Why don't you come and help us find some clients? I said, sure, well, you know, how could that go wrong? And I did that for a few years, made all the mistakes in the book, uh, and then eventually launched my own consulting practice, which then turned into the program that we now call the 90 day pipeline, where we coach and advise and train B2B consultants on how to build their pipeline, attract perfect clients, charge premium fees, and ultimately scale their consulting business. Yeah. And, uh, this is no joke. You've got some real big hitters as far as clients, uh, you've helped Shea Robottom and if you are on LinkedIn, there's no way you don't know who Shea Robottom is. Uh, recently, I just checked before this uh, podcast, 620,000 followers. Big stuff. Uh, apparently, she was, in her own words, she was kind of all over the place. She uh, jumped on the bandwagon with you, and uh, the, you know, the rest is history. And uh, another gentleman by the name of Brent Bolden, who I had the privilege of interviewing, uh, he was the former head of marketing for... Bank of America and Choice Hotels. These are not just random. These are some heavy hitters, and you're coaching some of the, some of the big guys. Essentially, it's really impressive. And I'd love to take credit for all their success, but that would be ridiculous and a lie, right? <laughs> you know. So the reality is, Shay's really, really good. And and this is a bit of a disease in in my market, to be honest, is that. It's, it's really getting tiring that you, you have these marketing gurus and these business gurus that go, look at my students and they were nothing and I turned them into something and without me, it's total horse radish. But you know what I meant to say, right? Sure. Uh, sure. Look, Shay's really, really good. I mean, Shay's incredible, right? Shay's got an incredible personality. She's got so much to offer. What we did was we helped her structure a new offer and build a sales process that'll get her to a higher level of revenue and it worked really, really well. And she's taken that since then and she's run with it and gone to a whole other level. Brent yeah. Bolden and, and the folks there, same story. You know, these guys ran digital for Bank of America. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like no they joke. ran digital for some yeah. big, big names, right? But yeah. when they went out on their own and started consulting, you know, they hadn't done that before. They ran they ran digital for big, big companies and and thrived in that environment, but building a boutique consulting practice that was new, we helped them dial a few things in and they're smart folks and they ran with it. And we're very proud of them. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And so what, what's one thing that you would say is lacking as far as people understanding how to actually sell on LinkedIn, especially LinkedIn? Because uh, as I mentioned before, before the show uh, aired, um, I literally just got a message saying that I'd love to work with you and refer clients to you, to your bank. And again, I'm not a bank. Um, quintessential stuff. So what, what would you say to people like that? They think of it as selling on LinkedIn. That's problem number one. Right. How do I, it's the wrong question. The question, not yours, right. But the question that people ask, how do I sell on LinkedIn? How do I get clients on LinkedIn? LinkedIn is just a platform people. Okay. It's just, it's just a platform. It's just a tool. It's just an ecosystem, but the people on LinkedIn are just that they're people, they're humans. Right. And so you wouldn't go to a networking event and start shaking hands with people and uh, immediately pitch them your services without ever seeking to understand first and foremost who they are, what they do, whether even they even need your help or building a relationship. And, and so you shouldn't do that on LinkedIn. The big, 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 big mistake that particularly my market, right, people that are selling consulting professional services on the back of their expertise is that they don't take the time to give their marketplace a reason to talk to them. There's this sense of entitlement that people have where it's like, well, I'm really good at what I do and clients should be beating down a path to work with me. And maybe that's true, but if they don't know who you are and they don't know that you have the solution to their problems, why would they ever want to talk to you? So here's a, a data point that's probably going to be useful for everyone listening. Google and the CEB teamed up and did this massive study of B2B transactions. And what they found was the average B2B buyer is almost 60% through their decision-making process before they ever contact a vendor. What that means is that they've more than half made up their minds before they're even willing to entertain a conversation with you. So if you're using LinkedIn as an example, to get conversations with the marketplace and you're just pitching people and saying, Hey, can we talk? And Hey, can we talk? And Hey, can we talk? I mean, one, most of them are definitely not ready to talk to you. And even if they were, they don't know enough about you to entertain a conversation because you're a stranger and we're, we've all been taught as kids, stranger danger, right? We don't talk to strangers. Right. And that's true for busy executives, right? They don't talk to strangers unless there's a good reason to do so. So the big mistake is you haven't done the work to make your reputation precede you, give people a reason to talk to you. Right. And so in order to get to that level of why should people talk to you? How, how would you go about doing it? Is it about posting knowledgeable things that people should know, things like that? How would you go about? Uh, I mean, at one level, yes, but even before that, it's clarifying your positioning, right? So we have a framework that we call power positioning that has three very fundamental pillars that you need to nail down before you even think about content or thought leadership or any form of marketing outreach. And number one is client clarity. Who is it for? Who are we going after? I mean, I'm still shocked to this day I think I put up a rant about it on LinkedIn the other day. The number of people that that talk to their market as if LinkedIn is their market. Hey, LinkedIn, as if that's a place or that's a person. Hey, LinkedIn fam, we're not family. I don't know who you're talking to, right? Not knowing who your client is. And I don't just mean demographically. That's part of it. Sure. You know, the market, the segment, the vertical, absolutely. But then within that, what problem are they facing? And what have they done about that problem? And why is now the perfect time for them to work with you? Clarifying all those things is very important because they're not going to assume that you can help them. You've got to communicate that you can help them and communicate that you understand their needs. So client clarity is number one. Number two, problem specificity. 
right? No one's going to believe that you can solve every problem that they're facing. So funny story, in a previous uh, uh, firm that I used to work for, where our founder was very charismatic and had a lot of really high level relationships, and he'd open up lots of doors for us. And we would go in and me being one of the people responsible for selling the consulting services, we'd go in and the client would say, or we'd ask the client rather, hey, how, you know, what problems do you have? How can we help you? And they would go, well, uh, we got problems or, you know, one, two, three, four, and five. And, and they say, can you help us with this? And we go, absolutely. One, two, three, four, and five. We can do all those. Great. Next meeting, next client, they go, hey, uh, you know, we'll read ask rather, how can we help you? And they go, well, we got problems one, two, three, four, and five. Different set of problems, by the way, than the first five. And they say, can you help us? Absolutely. <laughs> right. Well, what happens is you start taking on all these deals and you're doing all these kinds of random projects. We call that random work for random clients. Right. And before you know it, you don't have a track record. You have a dog's breakfast of a portfolio. <laughs> right. And it's right. like, well, what are you? Who, who are you? What do you do? Right. So problem specificity is the second key there to dialing in your positioning because they the client is not going to believe that you can solve all their problems. Right. They're only going to believe that you're world class at solving one of their problems. And, and the third piece there uh, to complete this kind of power positioning formula for you here is what we call the point of view. And the point of view is the reason why the client has been struggling with this problem up until now and the reason why that they need to entertain your solution. And if you don't articulate that, there's no good reason to talk to you. So to answer your question in the longest form possible, yes, you need to be publishing thought leadership. Absolutely. Yes, you need to be showing up in front of your clients and saying smart things about the business problems they're facing. Absolutely. But before you ever do any of that, you need to get clear on client clarity, who it's for, problem specificity, what problem you solve, point of view, your articulation of why that problem still exists and how to solve it. It sounds like you've never discussed this before in your life. First time. Ever. Yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds like it. Were you always good at what you do or was there ever like... Where, like, where did this all begin? Cause, um, you know, I, you know, in my opinion, I don't think someone's just born like this. So it's a good question. Um, I, I've been in business for about seven years, give or take. And the first four years, and, and before that, I, you know, again, started out my career at Ernst & Young, right? And that was a really good formative experience, taught me a lot. Then I went to a boutique consulting firm and spent about four or five years there. That's really where I cut my teeth in marketing and business development in a boutique consulting environment. And then I went out and I hung out my shingle and I didn't really know what to do or who would do it, who to do it for. I had my market professional services and you wanted to help with marketing, but didn't really know much else beyond that. So I went, went out to my network and I said, Hey, can I help you with this? You're working on this. You have this business. I have marketing expertise. Maybe you don't want to hire a director of marketing because it's very expensive. I can help you in a fractional basis. And that's how I started. I just went out to my network and I started doing deals. And then they referred and they referred and they referred. And really in all that time, the first four years I was learning. I'm still learning, right? But I was really learning, really like in the trenches, in the weeds, helping clients get better results and learning and studying and formulating. And it wasn't until, you know, four years into the game, I was like, you know what? I have a system here. I have a methodology. I have a point of view that's really valuable to other folks. I've been battle testing it all this time. Let me now package that up into the program that we now call the 90 day pipeline that we spent the last three years really focusing on and scaling. But there was some very hard work in the trenches in you know, the 10 years prior and specifically the four years prior where I was just, you know, cutting my teeth and learning and experimenting. And without that, you know, none of this would have worked. Right. Was there ever like a struggle though? Like, was there ever like a point where you're like, how on God's earth am I going to get to the next month or something? Or 
something like that. Yeah. Like every month <laughs> <laughs> for a really long time. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Cause it happens to the best of us, right? You lose a client, you know, I, I mean, I still remember in the early days, you know, I picked up a bunch of deals pretty quickly and I'm very fortunate um, and had a great network and, uh, and some people took a chance on me, frankly, and I'm very grateful for that to this day. And, um, and I got very busy and I replaced my income, you know, probably within the first three months of going out on my own. And, uh, and, and that was steady. And that was a little bit of a curse too, for me, frankly, because I had a, I had steady retainer type client relationships that were paying the bills and relatively comfortable. And that was a bit of a drug for me. And I didn't really feel the need to go out and do anything beyond uh, what I was already doing until I got an email from a client saying, Hey, no fault of yours, but for these reasons, we have to hit pause. And then all of a sudden, you know, 25, 30% of my monthly revenue just went out the door. And that was probably the first time that I realized, you know, it's, 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 it's in business. You can't rest on your laurels and assume that things are going to continue the way that they've been because they're almost certainly not going to be the only guarantee in business. And the only constant is change. And I wasn't ready for the change. I didn't see the writing on the wall that eventually some clients are going to move on. They're not going to work with me forever and they shouldn't work with me forever. And I was ill-prepared for that change. And that was a hard lesson learned, but it's happened over and over again in different forms, right? A particular offering falls flat. Um, some other clients leave. Um, there's an extra expense in the business. There's uh, overhead. I mean, now we have a very big team, right? So there's lots of sure. ongoing surprises that we're unprepared for. And that's part of the game, you know, like, you know, uh, you level up and then the problems get bigger and more complicated. So um, there's always learning at every level. Right. And so has COVID affected any part of your business whatsoever? Good or bad? It, initially, COVID was tough because anytime, so we sell coaching and training. And that's a very discretionary purchase, right? Like people are going to take extra money that they have and invest in professional development and coaching and training to level up. And they're typically not going to spend the money that they have for rent and for food on that, right? It's going to be a discretionary expenditure. And so initially when COVID hit and there was a lot of panic and a lot of fear, uh, there were definitely people that were hesitant to pull the trigger because we don't know what's going to happen. So initially there was a bit of a crunch. What ended up happening was people realized that, well, if I run a business, I still need to run a business and I still need to grow and I still need to attract clients. And I can no longer go to the networking event or to the conference. And of course, now that's opening up, but I'm talking about a year ago, all of those traditional methods of building uh, relationships have disappeared. I'm going to have to find a better way to do this. Maybe I should work with these guys. And then so it ended up being probably a boon for the business and, and, and likely continues to be. Right. So what you're saying is that maybe at first, you know, just like with any kind of disaster, originally, like no one knows what the hell is going on. Uh, they kind of essentially just go to the nearest exit, essentially. But after, you know, probably the first couple of months are like, we really need to get back to this. So you saw like a steady climb up, you're saying? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so what what would you what would you say kind of led you like, what did you do? Were you like really panicking during that time? Like, like what got I mean, probably everyone was kind of going like, what the hell is going on with COVID? Like, we don't even know if we're going to live at all. I mean, I think there was there was an understandable level of panic across the board. We were more focused at the time on helping our clients get through it. I mean, I wasn't 
I wasn't really fundamentally worried about our business because I think I knew even, even with the uncertainty in the immediate, I knew that ultimately we would be fine because our business was entirely online. All of our lead generation was online. It was all digital. Our delivery is all online and we have an office, but nobody ever comes here. Right. So, you know, I knew that we were protected and that ultimately this would probably create demand for us from people that, like I said, were reliant on more traditional forms of business development and relationship building. And so we were really spending most of our time just helping clients. You know, we had clients in the restaurant industry. We had clients in, you know, we, I mean, we had clients in every industry that you can think of. And some of them were hit harder than others. So our focus at the time was really just helping our clients overcome. And it was a learning moment for everybody because, you know, what happened in, with COVID, some people got washed out. There were some businesses that disappeared. And there were some businesses that, you know, and through no fault of their own got washed out. And then there were others who got washed out because they played the victim card. Woe is me. COVID right. is so difficult. I don't know what to do. And they could have survived, but they chose to be the victim and they died. Um, and then there were those who took the opportunity that the change represented. And wherever there's change in any marketplace, wherever there's change, there's opportunity. COVID's no different. COVID created change in pretty much every market, some more than others. And so we were really focused on helping our clients identify and then capitalize on the change that COVID brought to their marketplaces. And many of them thrived on the back of that. Right. And so once you get, you know, once you get your clients in front of the right person for them, uh, so what your business is really all about, as uh, it says in your LinkedIn page, helping consultants and service providers attract better clients and charge higher fees. So once you do eventually do get in front of the right person, how do you, A, number one, make sure that it's the right client for you? Um, and B, how do you get that top dollar? Because a lot of times, especially in consultancy, when they ask, how much do you charge? And they hear that magic magic answer, whoa, it's too expensive. What am I going to do? What, what do you say to those people? So pricing is a very different take on pricing than most people. Pricing is fundamentally a measure of confidence divided by alternatives. Okay, I'll tell you what I mean by that. I'm going to pay more money to a consultant that I believe is going to get me results. And the higher my confidence and their ability to get me results, the more money I'm going to pay them. Right. So think of it this way. Like if you have a choice of hiring two consultants, consultant A, consultant B, consultant A, you know, they have the same claim, same promise. I have 90% confidence in them. Consultant B, same claim, same promise. I have 50% confidence in them. All things considered, consultant A is commanding a higher price. Does that make sense? Yeah. The other factor to consider is alternatives. If I believe that consultant A is in a league of their own and I can't find anybody else quite like them who can do what they do also going to command a higher price because supply is constrained. There's not enough people out there like them that can do it. I don't know where else to go. So one of my favorite stories is, is a story from a client. His name's Arlen. And Arlen told us a story where he put a proposal in front of a client. And the client said, Arlen, this is very expensive. And Arlen says, yes, I understand. And the client says, but we really need to do this. And Arlen says, yes, you do. And the client says, we don't know what else who can do it for us. And Arlen said, no, you don't. And they go, I guess we better get started, right? That's positioning. That's where the client knows you're the only one that can help them. They have the most confidence, trust, faith in you. 
everybody else is a compromise. So that's what drives price. It's not like some people think the price is like a negotiating thing. It's like, it's a tactic. It's like, you know, you have to like say the right thing and have the right script. No, it's ultimately a measure of how much confidence they have in you to get the result and how many other alternatives are available to them in the marketplace. A hundred percent. I actually was watching one of your videos and I don't know if it's the same guy that you were referring to, but uh, essentially there were one of your one of your clients, he was a solo, solo shop. And he essentially outcompeted against, I forget one of the big four, one of the, like not Ernst and Young, but the other one. Yeah. It was delight. Yeah. Different story. But yeah. Was that this guy? Was that this guy? No, different client. Different Different client. A hundred percent. So clearly, clearly, I mean, if you're going to beat out Deloitte, I mean, obviously there's something to this, right? And so it, it ultimately is a belief, right? And this is, this is why we really go hard on positioning because I'm only going to believe that you're the best option to solve my problem. If the story checks out client clarity, problem specificity, point of view, like those are the pillars, right? If that checks out and I get it and you, you seem to be really well positioned to serve and to solve my problem, that's going to command a premium fee. But if you're a jack of all trades, you're like, oh, I can do anything for anybody. Well, this is not believable and I'm going to pay you like rock bottom dollars. Right. You become a commodity. Right. And so uh, we are running low on time. So before we go, uh, is there anything that you'd like to say maybe, or any kind of message you'd like to say to any kind of entrepreneur going forward? Yeah. I mean, one thing that comes up with our clients a lot is just the importance of having intrinsic motivation for the market that you serve and the work that you do. And I think that's just a friendly reminder to everybody is I, I, you know, we're, we're pretty successful and I'm pretty good at what I do and I appreciate your kind words, but that's only because I love it. That's only because I'm genuinely passionate about my market and our offer and the work that we do and how we serve clients. And if I wasn't, I wouldn't be very good at it. And I think a lot of people go into markets, businesses, opportunities that they maybe see as opportunistic, but they're not truly connected to. And that rarely works out. So if you're thinking about you know, where do I go next and what do I focus on and what do I do? I mean, follow your passion is a bit of a tired statement. I wouldn't put that simply, but I would definitely say follow your intellectual curiosity and pursue the markets that you have a genuine interest and curiosity and passion for, and you're going to do pretty well. Yeah, a hundred percent. I love it. I love the message. And uh, Ahmed, I really, really appreciate you making the time to come on the show. Um, and I, again, I literally just can't say enough, uh, good things about you guys. You guys are doing great work. And again, thanks so much for coming on. Super kind of you. And it was great to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Till next time. Hey, my name is Ahmed Manawar. I am the founder of the 90 day pipeline and you are watching Maxin TV. Don't forget to like, and subscribe.